The Zone. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, I hope the weekend was productive for you. Welcome in. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. It is a Monday, the 18th day of October. Today, another very mild day. Sunshine on the way. 71 are expected high. Few clouds tomorrow and 71. Wednesday, another chance of showers by Wednesday afternoon. Daytime highs around 67 degrees. We'll talk more about that with Stu Muck, our meteorologist in just a little bit. Some other good news. We've got a new face that will be joining staff at the Department of Public Instruction as our agriculture consultant, and she is a familiar face to many in Wisconsin agriculture. That story and more coming your way. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at RuralMutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Well, the elephant ears and some of the fair food probably put away for the year as the fair season in Wisconsin is now history. But the good thing, we had fairs this year. Bob Bosold in the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And uh, Pam, it was good to get back to the livestock shows, the livestock fair, and the food stands. You're right, Bob. Fabulous farm bay, Pam Yankee, the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But what I learned about our fair experience this year was interesting. Jamie Butke is the executive secretary and treasurer of the Wisconsin Fair Association. You mentioned food. You know, if you attended a county fair Early in the summer, chances are you had a pretty good menu to pick from. But believe it or not, the supply chain situation and challenges there actually might have impacted what you had to choose from for those late season fairs. It's just part of the story that Jamie Butke shared with me. You know, like you said, Bob, the good news is we were all happy to get back to our fairs, and that included fair board members. Yeah, so the majority of our fairs had record attendance. They had food vendors that ran out of food, um, but they could go back to 2019 and they surpassed that attendance, and a lot of them were even passing records that they had the two previous years from that. Um, People just came out in droves. They just wanted to be active, and a fair gave them so many different opportunities to participate, Uh, whether it was the fair food or it was the shows or it was watching, um, you know, people exhibit. Uh, people were just happy to be out and about. It was fantastic. Well, you know, that is wonderful news. I'm curious, though, and thank goodness we did have that crowd because our county fairs had to make it through 2020 uh, in fits and jerks, depending on where you were and what county policy was. Give me kind of a state of the state on how we are with our county fairs financially, Jamie. Uh, as you pointed out, volunteers tougher to come by. Give me kind of an overall sense of where we stand. I will say that the way the 2021 fair season happened, it in some ways was able to offset what didn't happen in 2020. So there were fairs that because of 2020 offered modified fairs and it cost them more money to host that modified fair, but still to let the youth exhibit. Um, and some of them are county run and some are their own ag society. So sometimes they got money from the county to help offset that. Otherwise they're like, nope, we have some money and savings. We're just going to make it through. And we hope that we get to come back in 2021 more successful. Uh, we we kind of jokingly have said 2020 gave us lemons. 
and you can do with whatever those lemons that you need to do. And in 2021, they all made some version of lemonade that, that worked for them. But for those that weren't able to have a fair, they shut that door because they said, we want to be here for the future. So, you know, more than half of our fairs um, didn't have any version of that fair. Um, so coming into 2021, they were like, yes, but we can't handle a second or a third year like that. So knowing that the people came through the gates and bought the food and did all of that, um, it really helped. But the other part that's been hurting the fairs this summer, too, was they had a hard time finding work. But you also had people who didn't want to come and work because they were getting governmental assistance. So you had people who said, yeah, I can't come work for you because it, I make more money if I'm, I'm staying at home. So that was a very hard thing for our fair industry to to do and then suddenly say, oh, now we need to pay people a higher, a higher wage. Um, so you didn't have the same volunteers. Um, so those were struggles, but they all made it happen. Like we joked, there were, there were fairs at the district meetings that made the comment that said, yep, everybody in our office worked a, a gate at some point to take ticket sales for somebody. Like everybody went out in the trenches and did something, whether it was garbage or whatever that they weren't used to doing because it just had to get done and you wanted to make sure that you had something for the fair goers. So, um, they scraped and, and they got where they needed, but we're, we're going to do a survey now to say, well, what are you paying your judges? What are you paying staff? Service clubs didn't come back because they hadn't been out and about. They hadn't been meeting. So those long-term are things that are going to affect the bottom lines of fairs going forward. Well, you make a very good point. Uh, people need to understand those uh, vendors that many county fairs rely on, the rides, uh, even some of the traveling food vendors, your acts, uh, all of that was put at jeopardy in 2020. Have you heard of any major adjustments in that industry, Jamie? Any uh, family sales, any buyouts, any mergers, anything like that? Um, so we've had a couple of our carnival industries that said, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna retire. It's a, it's our time. Um, we did lose a, a couple different family amusement, um, type of shows, but again, they were close to retirement. So they said, yep, this is just our writing on a wall to do it. Um, however, you looked at the carnival industry this year and, you know, people again came out in droves. They had record, record years as well, but they had a hard time finding employees to work. So, you know, there, there was that issue as well. And then from a food vendor standpoint, they had issues getting supplies. One of the things that we noticed was um, people were down their commercial vendors. And it was, well, yeah, well, we went to the early fairs, but we used up all of our product and we didn't have any more product to sell. So we had that chain reaction as well. So that was seen throughout the fair uh, season. Interesting. Very interesting. Jamie Butkey's along with us. She is the executive secretary and treasurer of the Wisconsin Fairs Association. So let's go back a bit, Jamie, because during the pandemic, there were a lot of different federal funds that were set up, assistance and so forth. And uh, I'm wondering, how did our county fairs, maybe those that tried to do something or those that needed to do something, how did they tap into those resources? Were the resources there? Explain for the audience some of the challenges that our Wisconsin fairs faced just trying to get access to some of that funding. Yeah, we as a fair industry are a pretty unique industry, and half of our fairs are county-run, half are their own egg society, so that sets up a different precedent uh, as well. But no seventy, no one of the 75, 74 fairs are the same. Like everyone has a little different caveat. Maybe the city owns the grounds or there's, there's so many different, uh, ways that can be managed. So it, we weren't like a clear cut. This is how fairs fit. And what happened was, is the CARES Act came out and we would have fairs that applied and we found that the fairs were being denied. They didn't fit it. They didn't, they didn't fit. We were either a live venue, but we didn't make, 
we didn't have enough money that we spent on a show or it wasn't a big enough percentage of what our fare was. And we kept asking and saying, we don't fit this grant, or we applied and they would deny us. Um, and we're sitting here, what, how does that work? And then we'd have fares that filled out PPA grants, and they got them, but if when they filled them out, they were mostly county fares, and then that money went back into the county coffer that happened for them, and some of those fares haven't even seen those PPA, those PP funds, because the county manages it, manages it. So we keep running into these hurdles. First, we didn't fit anything. Then we did fit. Well, then it, it, it didn't come directly back to the fair. And then we circle that to like now where, you know, we tried to play nice in the corn box. We like to say because so many fairs have those for kids to play. And we said we tried to follow the, the rules of, of how it was supposed to be done. We contacted our legislators, but we weren't overly pushy, but they kept telling us something will come for you. Yep, we'll, we'll find the right, you know, thing for you. We understand that you got missed. Here's a whole slew of nonprofits that got missed. And we kept pushing, but in the same token, we'd watch a festival um, that didn't have any agriculture education, and they were getting money a first, a second, sometimes even a third time, and we as a fair didn't get it, and we just didn't understand that. So fast forward to this year, um, we are now right now in the process of uh, there's a live venue grant that now fits us, um, but it took a lot of work in order to just find a grant that would, would fit our uniqueness. But in doing so, it only fits half of our fairs. It only fits the fairs that are privately owned, um, that own their grounds. It doesn't fit the county fairs. So we had to like, hey, we're trying to find a way to find funding for you, but guess what? If you're county owned, you're not eligible. And I'll circle back to that in a minute. But by the, this grant that's out there, it's a simple grant for them to complete. The most any one fair can receive is $200,000, but based, it'll all be based on how many you know submit. Um, their 2019 and their 2020 uh, income tax and so forth. But we're trying to find some funding for those fares. Um, but then after that, we have to go back to the counties. And any fair that's county run, we have to go back and say, okay, help us. We were the site for the vaccination drive through We were the site, you know, to help anytime there's an emergency, use the fairgrounds. But don't forget about us now. And now there's ARPA funds that are out there that counties have that, you know, part of it has to do with tourism, part of it has to do with how you can improve your grounds long term. So we have one fair, they're getting a new PA system because their emergency government used their fairgrounds and they realized they had a crappy PA system. So they're getting an upgrade at their fairgrounds through ARPA funds. And ARPA funds don't have to be completely used until 2023, so they've got some time to figure that out. This is where our fairs, this is where the community needs to go and say, Fairs are important. It's an important event. It brings in tourism. It brings people, you know, to our cities. You need to now be going to your county to say, are you taking care of the fair? Are you making sure that the fair is here for the long term? How are you helping them? Because it's great in some counties, and we've got some other counties that they're just not given the love. Yeah, if the fair doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. That's not right. We are uh, an event that needs to happen in the long term. Is there any opportunity on coming on the federal scene? to try to assist? Yeah, so we are members of the International Association of Fairs and Expositions, the IAFE, and they've been working since last year. I mean, we as a state uh, were reached out to many times to contact our legislators as well. So there has been um, Congressman Jimmy Panetta, who is out of the, um, a district in California, um, they have passed a Bipartisan Agriculture Affairs Rescue Act because um, what they found is in 2020, if you look at all of the fairs throughout the nation, 98% of the agricultural fairs in the United States were canceled, and it estimated a $4.5 billion 
dollar loss in revenue. So they're working. It still has to pass one more um, side yet, but if that happens, that's the first relief that you know what we were feeling in our state. Other states were feeling as well. So as a as a fair industry across the nation, we we got missed. It wasn't just in Wisconsin. So we are hoping that this five hundred million dollars in federal grants for agricultural fairs could possibly happen. We're we're closer. It's not quite quite, but we're we're just about there in hopes that that one goes through. Jamie Butke, executive secretary and treasurer of the Wisconsin Fair Association, she's encouraging everybody that attended their fair, that enjoyed their fair, to vocalize your support for your fair with your county board, with your state elected officials, and make sure the conversation about how important county fairs are to the fiber of Wisconsin continues. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection is here 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all your residential and commercial plumbing services. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning, we've got you covered. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. At Tom's Auto Center, we're known for being up front with our auto repairs. And name brand new tires. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Goodyear, Firestone, Brigstone, Michelin, BF Goodrich, Continental, and Kelly Tires. We carry and install them all. When you need new tires, Tom's Auto Center will make sure you leave happy. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Because we know your barn smells like money. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Time for an ag weather update brought to you by Compere Financial. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live this morning, and we got to send out big congratulations. Sally Ladston, who is a current agriculture instructor, biology instructor in Sauk Prairie High School, has been named the new ag education consultant at the Department of Public Instruction. She'll start the job in uh, January. So we want to congratulate Sally. That's good news for a lot of our FFA folks out there. Uh, a lot of folks that are going to be busy field days, uh, getting outside and, you know, even that manure management. Uh, drier weather has allowed us to get started on that again. It sure has. But, you know, then there's that cool start this morning with the frost advisory retail eight. Oh, and it covers Eau Claire and gets close to La Crosse. Of course, Mauston covered as well. And areas just to the west of Fond du Lac and Oshkosh this morning. Some of those counties included in that frost advisory this morning. That includes Chippewa, Eau Claire, Jackson, Monroe, Juneau, Adams, Marquette, Green Lake, Washera. That whole central part of the state under the frost advisory. Well, sky stayed clear. The cold air was able to settle in. But it also means today, with high pressure still nearby, a lot of sunshine. Any outdoor plans? today will feature sunshine and really nice temperatures on the above normal side that's not hard to tolerate no precipitation even nearby so we have a very fine start to the day and we'll have a couple of very nice days this week low pressure will begin to move up out of the west and that will lead to some rain chance as we head toward wednesday and the rain amounts may be measurable. We'll talk about them right after this. Badgerbean.com puts the Wisconsin soybean farmer first. And it's your place to go for the latest soybean news and research from leading industry experts. Simple, easy-to-access resources for the betterment and advancement of a sustainable soybean industry right here in Wisconsin. Badgerbean.com, an invaluable tool constantly updated for Wisconsin soybean farmers. For info and the latest updates, find us on Facebook and visit badgerbean.com today. Boost agriculture production in 2021 by optimizing operations with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the resources to identify energy efficiency upgrades and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 888-623-2146 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness, Focus on Energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. All righty, Stu, let's have that forecast. All right, sunshine, beautiful weather. Let's talk low 70s. Could be 75 or so at Eau Claire, warm in the west today. And the south winds about 5. We stay clear in the nighttime, dropping back toward the mid and upper 40s. Certainly a lot warmer than this morning. South winds will be around 5. Sunny Tuesday, still in the 70s, low and mid 70s, warmest in the west. South winds at 5 to 10. But even late Tuesday, Eau Claire, La Crosse may see a little sprinkly shower try to wedge in. More likely into the day when. Wednesday showers could be some isolated afternoon or evening thunderstorms. I'd say rain amounts in western Wisconsin in the quarter to half inch range. And you start heading east toward Oshkosh and Fond du Lac, uh, maybe up to a quarter, a little bit more. Uh, Beaver Dam and Madison could talk about some quarter to near half inch amounts. I'd still look for upper 60s Wednesday, cooling it down Thursday, rain ending. But mid-50s, mid and upper 50s as we look toward Thursday and even a little cooler on for Friday, Pam, it's going to be a, a cool down to the end of the week. Is that about what we expect for this time of the year? 
Well, we should be talking about upper 50s, about 60 right now, starting the week uh, in the upper 50s by the end of the week. So a little cooler than normal, especially by Friday. All right. Stumach, Ag Meteorologist with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, stuff you won't find anywhere else, and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. The landscape across the central corn belt is going through some changes. The old authorities are starting to fade and today are being replaced by a more dedicated, harder-working, higher-performing seed corn company. One with a team of folks raised right here and ready to serve. Whoa, boy. Looks like there's a new sheriff in town. Wiffles Hybrids. Quite possibly the best hybrids you can buy. Have prairie exteriors add more value to your roof. Right now, get free gutters or leaf protection with the purchase of any roof. Imagine a new roof to highlight your home outlined by stunning handcrafted gutters for free from Prairie Exteriors. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com No doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. 
Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental Toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. If you're talking, they will hear you every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? (laughs) They never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. The St. Louis Cardinals, they lost in the one-game playoff to the L.A. Dodgers uh, after winning, what, 17 in a row to end the season, punking the Milwaukee Brewers down the stretch, getting into the playoffs, and then losing. But yesterday, a surprise to everyone, Cardinals manager Mike Schilt fired. Philosophical differences, they say, with the organization between him and the brass. Very surprising move, right? Because this guy is uh, a pretty damn good manager, is he not? I mean, he's only been there technically three what you would consider full seasons, but really only two. He came in in 2018 uh, for St. Louis, went 41-28 and 28 in roughly half a year, and then you had 2019 where he won 91 games, mm-hmm. 2020 shortened season when they went 30-28, and 28, and then 2021 won 90 games. If you extrapolate out what his winning percentage has been over those three and a half years, he's winning 90 and a half games a year. And they fired him. And they fired him. 90 and a half games a year. That's that's what he averages per season. And they fired him. What's Craig Council averaging? I mean, Craig Council is obviously below that. He's been there longer, but uh, it's, it's pretty wild because Craig Council is only averaging 85 wins a year. I mean, still, I mean, good, obviously. When no, it comes especially to with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers. It's a team that hasn't won very much over its franchise history. So the Milwaukee Brewers obviously get bounced in the NLDS, Game 4, Atlanta Braves. And, you know, Craig Council, we saw him at the Milwaukee Bucks game as the Bucks were going on to win their championship. The cryon was, you know, up on Council. He's shown on the Jumbotron and then said, Brewers legend and manager Craig Council. I think it just shows, though, how much of a difference two franchises really have. You have one that's just happy to be there, and you have another that says, we're either winning World Series or you're done. Yeah, let's see. Um, like, what else, what else could that mean for reasons for being fired? The Cardinals, president of baseball operations, um, said, quote, we decided internally it would be best to separate now. We have determined that we have a philosophical difference in the direction of our major league club. Where we felt the team was going, we were struggling to get on the same page. And think about what happened to him this year. They won 90 games, 
finished in second, made it to the postseason. I've obviously lost a one game wild card to the Dodgers, who are just now in the I NLCS. think. Well, and I think everyone would say is probably the best team in baseball this year, even though they finished a game behind the Giants. Yeah. Going into it, they had the highest win total of anybody. They have the highest payroll than anybody. It's it's L.A. They're coming off of a World Series. But, I mean, you think about what Mike Shield had to deal with this year. His ace pitcher in Flaherty was done for the majority of the season. You didn't have him. His number two in Miles Michaelis was done for the majority of the season. You didn't have him. All of a sudden, you were relying on a 40-year-old Adam Wainwright to be your ace. And now he had a really good year, and, and he really stepped up. But but outside of Adam Wainwright, you didn't have a whole lot. Also, your closer blowing out his elbow right away. You kind of had to piece it together with three different guys. Yeah, you had uh, Mike Gold or uh, Paul Goldschmidt who really didn't play very well until the second half of the season. You had Nolan Arenado who had a down year, especially offensively. I mean, this guy dealt with a lot of injuries this year. They still won 90 games and made the postseason. If this was the Milwaukee Brewers, he would be praised. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah. They probably would put him on the the walk of fame. Uh, Rowdy, they said, I'm reading right here, apparently their baseball, uh, president of baseball operations, they're they're David Stearns, he wanted to, I guess, make a change even mid-season. With the coaching staff, the team considered making changes to the coaching staff during the season, but ultimately stuck with the staff in place. But he did, I guess, middle of this year, stop short of saying Schilt would be and his coaches were safe heading into the uh, the next year. They said, in terms of what 2022 looks like, it's a bit premature for me to weigh in. Last week, he said, having said that, there's a lot this group should be proud of. They did accomplish a lot. I did see a lot of funny tweets saying uh, this has all the setup for an Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina player coaches. <laughs> well, yeah. How old is Wainwright again? Uh, Wainwright's 40 and Yadier's 39. 38, 38 turning 39, I think. Yeah. Those the timeless wonders. And they both signed on for one more season next year as their last. <laughs> oh, man. So... Let's see here. The Cardinals now join what the Mets and the Padres as teams to dismiss their manager since the end of the regular season. The Yankees also parted ways with several members of their coaching staff. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sunshine today, 71. Sunshine tomorrow, 71. Wednesday, some afternoon showers back in the forecast. Highs around 67. Don't forget, this morning until about 8 o'clock, we've got a minor frost advisory out there for our friends in Jackson, Monroe, Juneau, Adams, Marquette, and Green Lake counties. Just a little something to keep an eye on. We're not talking about little lambs this morning, but we are giving you more details on the big announcement last week. of Milwaukee making major infrastructure investments to try to help our Wisconsin agricultural products get to the international marketplace a little faster. Stephanie Hoff was at the big event and she's got details for us before we wrap it up on a Monday. I'm Pam Yankee. Now from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on this 18th day of October. So on this day, back in 1851, Moby Dick was published for the very first time, about a sailor's obsession with tracking down and killing an elusive whale that took his leg off in a previous encounter. Moby Dick, uh, published on this date, 1851. On this day in 1867, the United States made one of its best purchases ever. Alaska 
became part of the United States. Remember how that happened? Uh, Basically, uh, they called it Seward's Folly because Secretary of State William Seward was the one that really wanted the United States to purchase Alaska. So they did from Russia for $7.2 million. At that time, it was considered huge money. But look what we got for it. Again, 1867, Alaska becomes a state. And now you know. I do want you to know, if you are somebody that's looking for a small to mid-sized tractor this fall, don't be surprised if locating one that's ready to go is more than a challenge. That's because semiconductors are still sparse and hard to find for all of our farm equipment. Canada trying to get proactive on being in control of their own destiny when it comes to semiconductors and manufacturing. Fellow farm broadcaster Denny Guy has got an update. Because modern farm equipment is highly computerized, the manufacturers, their dealers, and farmer customers are facing accessibility issues for requisite parts and equipment. The end result is that a combine, tractor, planter, even a pickup truck breakdown can sideline it for days, sometimes weeks. And along with part shortages, dealerships have fewer pieces of new or high-end used equipment available for short-term rental, for sale, or for lease. And when it is available, higher costs come into play and waiting times. Recent reports say this microchip shortage could continue well into 2023. Even non-farming rural residents are feeling the pinch. Canada's recent real estate boom has seen newcomers arrive in the countryside and want smaller equipment for their hobby farms. Wigan Farm Equipment in the Ottawa Valley caters to both farmers and rural gentry. The 70-year-old dealership has never experienced such high demand for new and used equipment. Laird Wigan says that every dealer in Ontario is in the same boat. Everything is in tight supply, but smaller tractors are just not available right now. It's been an unprecedented demand. Whether it's at my yard, at somebody else's yard, it's just not there. 60 horsepower and under tractors, just not available. Normally I would have later vintage. They're all picked over and pretty much gone. And they're accepting the fact that they're going to have to wait for it. Prices for computer semiconductors started to skyrocket last year due to a shortage caused in part by high demand during the pandemic, along with a chip manufacturing industry that was already running at capacity. Sarah Previtt, chair of Canada's Semiconductor Council, says that Canada has been slow off the mark in the field of computer chip manufacturing, and now is the time. We do not have domestic manufacturing of chips here in Canada. When companies need those chips for their products, they actually have to place those orders well in advance. The order could be six months in terms of lead time from when the order is placed when that chip is received. Research and development here in Canada, things that we are working renowned for. And that's going to give us that competitive advantage at the beginning of the supply chain. Seven trillion dollar global market. But industry analysts say the microchip market is a tough market to break into. Taiwan produces nearly two-thirds of the world's semiconducting computer chips. Asian manufacturers have decades of experience, and their own governments are heavily vested partners within the industry. Reporting from Canada, I'm Dennis Guy.
Love to hear your voice, Denny. Thank you, Denny Guy, fellow farm broadcaster in Canada. Continuing the focus on technology and agriculture today. Had a wonderful visit on Friday with instructors at the Fox Valley Technical College in Appleton. They were holding a career fair that invited in high school students from around the area to show what kinds of different opportunities are available for them. You know, technology is a major component of all of their curriculum. I talked about it with Mary Fronick. She's one of the instructors at Fox Valley Technical College that focuses in on technology. And that technology ranges from software programs that may handle accounting right on through to tracking data from the field. When you start scaling up these industries, they have to be this, you know, this manager, for example, he is managing the livestock on the operation. He's managing the finances of it. He's managing employees. He's managing human resources. He's managing even all those every day-to-day skills. And so we We really work together as a team here at the college, and we try to make sure we don't have gaps in our curriculum, and uh, we want to make sure that they're really getting those skills that they're going to need to be successful. Well, and it's about time, too. That's been one of the earmarks of technical colleges, respectful of people's time and current commitments, and also respectful of what the industry's calling for right now. Oh, exactly. Time is essential, and for our people in our agriculture industry, there's never enough of it. Mm-hmm. And so with this agricultural certificate, you can choose to take classes online. You can come in person, whatever your time is going to allow to get you to that um, area of expertise that you want to be at. How much do you guys reach out to the community and kind of put that litmus paper out there and see, are we doing this right? What needs do you uh, have that we aren't addressing or should be addressing? Because again, uh, the pandemic kind of threw a monkey wrench in some of that, the shows, the fairs, the uh, gatherings that we would rely on. How do you keep that connection? Yeah, so I would say there's really two primary ways that we keep that connection. Our Primary one is going to be we have advisory council committees. Mm-hmm. And so we meet with um, a staff of selected individuals that mm-hmm. are the experts in their area and in working in industry. We meet with them twice a semester okay. and we discuss new changing t- trends within the industry. We update them on what our curriculum is, if we see any gaps mm-hmm. or what they would like to see. Another thing that we do here at the college, most of our instructors are have already brought in networks or they're working in agriculture still. And we already have these great networks and we are kind of always continuously reaching out to them, either having industry personnel come in and be guest speakers Mm -hmm. or um, having them forward us maybe some new piece of technology that came out in industry. And we kind of have this natural constant contact um, with our industry and we share it with each other. It's one thing great about the team that we have here. If one staff member sees some cool new tool that hops Mm -hmm. out, it usually gets sent to the whole team. Mm-hmm. Mary Fronick, one of the instructors, Fox Valley Technical College in Appleton, really emphasizing how important a role technology plays in all facets of agriculture today, whether it's those semiconductors out in the field running our yield monitors or whether it's the technology that we're using to keep track of our employees as well as our receipts. Nice visit with those folks. I appreciated it. Markets this morning in overnight trade are a little on the quiet side. Dow Jones Industrial Average already looking a little soft, down about 80 points. December corn's unchanged right now at 525 and three quarters. November beans down two and a half at 1215 and a quarter. The wheat for December, that's up two and a half right now, 736 and a half with July wheat up two and three quarters, 741 a bushel. 
Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese finished down, actually unchanged at 179. 40 pound block cheese was down two and three quarter cents at 178. And double A butter dropped four and a half cents on Friday to 177 and a half per pound. The November milk right now is up 11 cents at 1939 a hundredweight. The December milk closed nine cents lower at 1876 a hundredweight. Don't forget, as usual, tomorrow our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, will be joining us live. If you've ever got questions about what's happening in the trade, if you've got questions about what's happening here in Wisconsin with the markets, don't be afraid to send them my way. I'll share them with our brokers both Tuesday and Thursday. That Midwest Farm Report talk text line 877 301 farm. That's 877 877- 3013276 a direct line of communication to myself Aaron as well as Stephanie 8773013 farm Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list head to midwestfarmreport.com enter your email address and we'll handle the rest more farm news straight ahead This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. Freedom from fees means more to spend on what matters most. Our fee-free e-checking lets you easily manage your money. Our online and mobile banking with bill pay and person-to-person payments are all free. Freedom is found in the money you keep. Learn more at SettlersWI.com slash OpenMyAccount. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Opportunity Lender. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection serves all of Dane County and the surrounding communities. And with our new location in Monroe, we also proudly serve all of Greene County. From installation, repairs, and maintenance to complete sewer and drain cleaning, we've got you covered. Visit MononaPFP.com. Monona Plumbing and Fire Protection, a name you can trust when service is a must. Back in grade school, we were always taught to avoid run-on sentences. That's not a problem at Wiffle's Hybrids, since we're only focused on one thing, our high-yielding corn hybrids. Oh, and handling our own seed production. Oh, and staying independent in U.S. farm... Well, shoot. Turns out it's easier said than done. Wiffle's Hybrids, one thing done right, and lots of little things done right, too. Teenage driver coming aboard your policy? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance about a good student discount. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. Ham is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report 
with Pam Youngke. For the first time, byproducts of ethanol will be able to head overseas from the Milwaukee port. I'm Stephanie Hoff on the Midwest Farm Report. Port Milwaukee and the DeLong Company have broke ground on a new $35 million export facility. It will handle agricultural commodities via truck, rail, and international vessel. This includes dried distiller's grains, or DDGs. These are a byproduct of ethanol and a highly nutritious animal feed supplement. I asked DeLong Company's Vice President, Bo DeLong, why they wanted to make this investment in Milwaukee. Well, we're looking, we have been involved in the export business for a number of years, mainly with shipping containers. This will be our first venture into bulk vessels. We saw that there was a better economic model in exporting DDGs in particular to countries in Europe, uh, the Mediterranean, Northern Africa. So that's basically what we looked at when we're making this investment. Are you guys going to be digging the port deeper or are you, so there's more volume that can come in or bigger boats? What will the projects look like? Well, there won't be bigger boats because we're limited somewhat by the size of the locks at, in the St. Lawrence Seaway, but we hope to capture a lot of the boats that are currently coming in with other products, imports. We hope to capture those and fill them with agricultural products for export. Will you be putting in like grain elevators, elevator legs? Well, the first phase of the project is a receiving building with dump pits that can receive both by truck and rail. Then from there, the product will be conveyed into a storage building uh, specifically made to handle DDGs that will be able to store up to 25,000 metric ton. And then from there, it'll go on to an ocean-going vessel. Is that stuff already coming in here, and will your guys' investment increase the volume, or is this will be totally new to the Port of Milwaukee? This is going to be totally new to the Port of Milwaukee. Actually, it's going to be new to the Great Lakes system in general. Um, there hasn't been, this will be the first major investment for specifically an export facility that can handle DDGs. Most of your facilities that were built on the Great Lakes were over 50 to 70 years ago, and they were set up for grain. This will be the first one that can really handle bulk materials. Who does this set us up against? Chicago or other port? Who's our competitor before, and who is it going to be now? Well, our competitors were before. Uh, DDGs were taken by truck to the river system, barge down to New Orleans, and put on vessels there. So we're going to forego that total process, bring those into Milwaukee, load them on smaller vessels that can go through the St. Lawrence Seaway and go directly to the customer. But this isn't going to totally eradicate trucking or rail, right? You still need them. That is true. Some of this is going to be fed by rail, but a lot of it is it's it's closer for trucks to come from ethanol plants in Wisconsin coming to Milwaukee than it is the Illinois River. So we're hoping that we'll be able to increase our truck capacity by 50% coming to Milwaukee than it is going, you know, an extra 100 miles to the Illinois River. So it's, it's got DeLong's name on it. Is is it just for uh, the DeLong company, or will other companies like you able to use this facility once it's up? Well, it's not just for the DeLong company. It's for ethanol plants within Wisconsin. Even though DeLong will be doing the exports, we're going to be purchasing from uh, Wisconsin-based ethanol plants. Uh, that are supplied by Wisconsin producers. But we'll be handling the exports ourselves. So now give us a sense of scale of this Milwaukee port, how much volume that that can come through here that makes it kind of uh, significant. Well, initially we're looking at between 150 and 200,000 metric ton a year. 
Now this will can be scaled up to where we can do over double that, but initially that's what we're looking at. Does it benefit more than just the grain industry? Well, it'll benefit, uh, and by it'll benefit agriculture, it'll benefit the Port of Milwaukee through fees that we'll pay them. It'll benefit Wisconsin labor, uh, Wisconsin logistics, and Wisconsin farmers. Now that you guys, that you will be able to do the, the distiller's grains, will it make it attractive? I don't know if distiller grains ever come with another product or something that they'll say, hey, since it's going there, let's send this stuff there too. Well, initially we're just going to be able to load DDGs, but uh, phase two of the project, we're looking at being able to handle various grains and soybeans. So we'll be able to load boats partially full of DDGs and partially full of, let's say, soybeans, making it more attractive also. Speaking of phase two, where is it going to go? What's the vision? Well, the vision is to get phase one built and operating and then move on to phase two where we look at the grains. From there, it'll be just a question of how the economics work. You know, some years, I'm sure the economics will be better out of the lakes, and some years it won't be. But we're betting, and our research that we've done over the last three years has shown that we're going to have pretty good, we have a pretty good shot of making ourselves present in that market. Do you have a timeline for this? Uh, Estimated completion date for phase one and phase two? Well, phase one hopefully we have completed by next summer, and we should be loading vessels of DDGs then. Phase two, uh, that's going to take another year or two years. We want to get phase one operating first, and then we'll see how that goes and move on to phase two. Making the decision for this project, what was the response like from farmers and buyers? Well, from farmers, it has been very good. We've been meeting with the last two and a half years with potential buyers in northern Africa, like I said, the Middle East, uh, the Mediterranean, and Europe. And the numbers uh, point that this is going to be a very viable project. Otherwise, we wouldn't have committed our resources and federal, state, and city funds toward it. And, I mean, it opens up markets that maybe we haven't been focusing on before, right? That's absolutely right. Currently, right now, we do close to a billion dollars a year in exports, primarily to Southeast Asia and China. This opens up entirely new markets that we haven't been able to reach. So that's why it's important for us, too. Again, that's Bo DeLong, the vice president of the DeLong Company. This development is the largest one-time investment in Port Milwaukee since the 1950s, and it's touted as a public-private partnership. Money for this project has come from the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, Port Milwaukee, and the DeLong Company. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam.